Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the latest Rider Rumblings video podcast, audio podcast, whatever medium you're using to uh, listen to us or watch us. We thank you. Um, speaking of mediums, Murray McCormick is <laughs> quickly changing into a medium. The incredible shrinking football reporter is now <laughs> 68 pounds and will, will actually be faxing himself to Mexico for a, for a vacation That'd very shortly. Fun. That's my goal, and then put it all in on when I'm there. Um, I'm wearing this shirt, Brooklyn Nets, which is of no significance to anybody except for the fact that it wouldn't fit a month ago. It was a bib. So that's my it's good weight uh, uh, progress report. It is 1.21 p.m. on a Thursday. I think I need to put the time element into the equation because if free agency period being what it is, if things change throughout the day, um, some of the material we discussed may uh, have been trumped. Maybe that's not the best choice of words. Yeah. By events of the day, we're going we're gonna to try and make the content as relevant as possible. Uh, we got some questions. People have been sending us questions. I'd like to begin with those so I don't forget about them, which I have been known to do in the past. Um, all questions can be sent to rvanstone at leader... Uh, try that again. rvanstone at postmedia.com, along with any donations you'd care to pass along. Uh, this one is from Rod, and it's... Uh, which happens first? The CBA is negotiated and approved or Commissioner Ambrosi's Air Miles plan reaches platinum, platinum status? I think he's already there. I really think you got to be there. I know you get yeah, pretty close. He he's, could get to Neptune with all the uh, He probably miles. has access to every Air Canada lounge in the world, freeing any of his stuff. Yeah, he's got he's got platinum covered for sure. You know, it's uh, they're not going to be able to be discussing this or the CBA until March. Apparently, this is by mutual agreement. The yeah. players had to give the league notice of when it was ready to negotiate, but apparently the league had been, had some say or some input in, into that, and it was sort of a mutual agreement that that was a smart time to start. I still don't understand why they haven't been talking They more, have been talking. They've been meeting monthly. More, uh, more frequently, <clears throat> more productively. It hasn't affected the free agency situation as much as no. people might think. I don't think it's affected it at all. I don't know where the signing bonus thing stands. Well, as soon as the season starts, there's going to be a lot of money out there. There's going to be guys buying cars. Well, maybe not cars. Cars and bikes. The money's going to come. The money's going to come to them. It's just not coming to them now. I mean, but, it, it'll get done. It's still it's yeah. still not a very strong union. No, and but, one with not a lot of leverage. I think Brian Ramsey done. said, I don't I mean to talk about talking, but he said they've been meeting monthly. So they've been talking with the CFL. The CFP have been talking on a regular basis. They just haven't negotiated. So maybe they're going to get in the room and they're going to say, we want this, this, and this. We want this and this. Hey, we mouse. Let's go. But it won't happen that quickly or that easily. But I think it's uh, the sign that the money was thrown around in free agency and everything else that was going on. It's got to say that uh, it's a good sign, maybe ahead. Well, it doesn't change anything, though, in terms of the no, the this. money was thrown around, but it's all within that cap. Yeah. So teams can spend $2 million on a quarterback if they want. They can spend $400,000 on a defensive lineman if they want. It just has to be made up for at the bottom end of the roster. So uh, I don't think it's a sign that, that the teams have any more money. It's just that they're, in some cases, opting to allocate more of it to the quarterback position than traditionally has been the case yeah. by at least $100,000. Mm-hmm. So that's there's that question. Uh, Murray, please fill some airtime with your meanderings while I find the other questions. Uh, yes. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I hope everyone's doing something for their sweetie. I know I'm doing my traditional moments with my wife and a quick kiss this morning and send her off to work. That's... Uh, how you keep the marriage strong is a good Valentine's Day tradition like that. And I just discovered that my my phone only goes back a certain period. 
as far as my emails. So right. some of the older emails that I got with questions for the podcast are no longer visible. Anyway, we'll so, probably, so much for that idea. We'll answer we them. Tried. We'll answer them as we go on because I know this is going to be the most all-encompassing, interesting, super duper fantastic, informative podcast in the history of podcasts. The, the questions that we ha- no. had been asked, and as I recall them, were pertaining to what the referees are going to do in free agency. So I'm presuming, I don't think incorrectly, you talk about that, that the uh, subject matter that we discuss will pertain, if not absolutely directly to the inquiries we did receive. Um, what's your take on free agency so far? As of, it's been, as we record this, it's been 27 hours since the pre, 26 and a half hours since the free agency period began. How have the riders done? Well, I didn't expect Zach to be back. Maybe I hoped Zach wouldn't be back. Maybe I was doing the world some green-tinted glasses because I think I was a little biased. I don't think anybody should have to endure another season of that offense with Zach at the controls. And But when you look at how it broke down, the big three went to where the big three went, and the riders were left with what they had to get, left with their crumbs. Not crumbs, that's not, that's not fair to say crumbs, but the bottom of the barrel, the second tiers, and of the second tiers, if you can't get Jennings and... Be honest with you, I don't know if Jennings would ever fit in the rider offensive scheme. I don't know. He likes to run. They don't like to grunt and punt as much as other teams do. Who else could be Zach? He's 30. He's the youngest of the guys available out there. He knows the offense. And then, despite my reluctance and my disappointment in him, I watched him yesterday at the uh, press conference, and he looked like a different guy. He didn't look like – he with us, he was so guarded all last year. He wasn't very friendly. Wasn't wasn't any warmth. I'm not saying that's important, but – he just did like everything I, I sensed. Austin could be prickly when he was a quarterback, but, too, sensed, but he was just really good at it. I just sensed everything about Zach was a guy who didn't want to be here. That's what the whole thing I sensed from the way the season ended and all that stuff. But yesterday he was, you know, he seemed to, he was engaging. He was, he was just kind of got that I he heard He had some about, things to say yeah, some and point. went beyond the cliches. So I came away kind of, I know I use the word impressed, but I kind of was impressed. I kind of thought, you know. Maybe there is this side of Zach we're going to see this year. Maybe maybe him and Chris didn't meld, or maybe whatever, the situation is the same. Maybe he just likes Craig Dickinson that much that he's getting an opportunity to maybe open up and to be what he's going to be. He's still got the injury history. Could he stay on the field? That, that exactly. question hung over him last year. Yeah, and I and know it's, it's, it's even more pertinent now given the events of last and year. And I think he responded well to those questions yesterday. He didn't duck them, <laughs> as he could, if he wish he could. And, you know, the hits have put him out. Probably would have put out anybody. You know, that one Odell Willis nailed them with. Would have put up just about any quarterback would have been out of the game from that hit. Yeah, and, and he took yeah. that big hit in the Calgary preseason game. So, and you know, uh, that defense, was ultimately the one that created the, the – was the first big blow last year. The part I don't like is we're back spinning a Zach Clares at quarterback story where we're, we're trying to justify it because that's our – I don't say we justify but that's what our job is to explain how these things happen. And now we're back to explaining why Zach is back. And, def- and it looks like we're defending him. And to, well, what else are we supposed oh, to do? I haven't. <laughs> well, you know, but you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Though? Like, yeah. it's just this Zach spin. Like I told you yesterday, I was, my exercise was going to the rider's spin session. And it was a pretty good workout for that yesterday, dealing with the Zach stuff and all the other things that Jeremy dealt with. But, yeah, I'm like Rider Nation. This is, it kind of popped my balloon a little bit. After, you know, Chris leaves, okay, that happens. Jeremy O'Day signs. Big deal. Good signing. Craig Dickerson's promoted head coach. Yeah, good signing. Jason Shivers is named the DC. Yes, we're building momentum. The big three quarterbacks. The honeymoon ended pretty yeah, quickly. We're going after Bo I, Levi Mitchell. Valentine's Day. Uh, in a Valentine's Day. Conference. And then we're going after, they're going after Bo Levi Mitchell. And it's getting exciting. And the part rates are going. And then he signs with Calgary. And then they announced Zach Clarison went, 
oh no, how do we salvage this season? And the, the Twitter reflected it. Rider Nation went pretty ballistic. Because hopes were starting to, you, yeah. you, you monitored Twitter for, what was there, an hour where it just seemed, an hour or so where it seemed, okay, oh. maybe they can do this. And then all of a sudden, yeah, and, and uh, I was at home on my computer, and I know I said a bad word, and I'm not supposed to say it on the TV or podcast, but I went, oh, darn. <laughs> and then I went to work, because we happened at 6 o'clock, we had a half hour to write the story. So Yeah, I had to revise my column and so throw in maybe a sentence another, or two Maybe that's Zach another Clarence. reason my disappointment in Zach. You made me rewrite it, but I thought it was a pretty darn good story and put out a piece of press release. Sell it, sell it, sell it. Yes, sell it. And, and uh, you know, going into free agency, and again, this may change by the end of uh, by the end of the day, going into free agency and looking at the Rough Riders last year, you look at that team and you say, that's a team that really needs to upgrade its passing attack. That was the biggest problem on the team last year. Quarterbacking yeah. was the, and Zach Caleros isn't entirely responsible for this because it wasn't him that was a, who was a quarterback in the West Division semifinal against against uh, Winnipeg. It was Brandon Bridge who was horrible. Yeah. And But that the, the, the lack of a passing attack was ultimately the Rough Riders' downfall last year the lack of an offense but in particular uh, the passing attack so you come into free agency and think <laughs> okay let's maybe this is an overly simplistic view but let's use free agency as a vehicle with which to improve the number one deficiency on the team that would seem to be a logical approach so within you know through the first two days of free agency and now into the third the only quarterback who's signing has been announced as the same quarterback who had a, threw nine touchdowns and 13 interceptions last year mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't stay on the field ultimately. And the only receiver that they've signed, whose signing they've announced, is Corey Watson, who uh, is about to turn 35 years old. So things may change, but when you look at the passing attack and I think the expectation that the Rough Riders would do something emphatic to address that to this point, Nothing of that nature has been done, and hence there's been uh, a recoil from some members of the Rider Nation. And us too. Big time recoil. Like, well, once the big three signed, what do they do? Like, there's, I really believe... There was a big three. There was Jonathan Jennings, and, and then, then there was... Then there's this... You know, even, can someone lure Wally Gabler out of retirement? If the Riders offered the Stampeders, like, supposedly Bo Levi left $500,000 on the table to go back to Calgary. Now, you, you can't blame the Riders for that. That's a no. lot of this stuff. It's a lot of this stuff is people blaming the writers. Like, people got to realize not everyone wants to come here. They all have not even with this wonderful weather. <laughs> I know they all have their own agendas. They have families. Like Riley was family and location and going to a team that he had connections with. Bo Levi's entrenched in Calgary. Yeah, so it's it's not fair to blame the writers for not getting these guys. It's there's reasons for it, and I think. They wanted more money. So it's a two-way street. It's not just a one-way. Trans-Canada is a two-way highway. There's four lanes on it for a reason. And that's – so that happened. The players decided to go – Willie Jefferson decided to go to Winnipeg. Chris Jones is when he had really no ties to this team. Goes to Winnipeg. No ties there, but, you know, try something different. He can always come back as you see – And the they case. paid him more than the riders were prepared yeah. to pay. And the right. so the riders – and they keep saying the Riders didn't get any free agents, and I've been hammering it on Twitter quite a bit. They that's, got, not, that's not true. They got William Powell, who, and I know it's not something they had to upgrade, but with plenty of Trey Mason's gone for the season. They did have to upgrade that. So they had a, so Trey Mason was kind of that, that, that card we didn't know that was going to be played, that he's gone for the season. And he wasn't anything extraordinary no. anywhere. No. Well, then we'll talk about him again. Uh, sorry, I'm getting off track. And then Mike Mika Johnson. Man, he's a stud. I remember writing about him and trying to find guys who would say how you block him, and they wouldn't talk about him. 
because they don't want him to read something and find something, another thing he can do well. Power, speed, personality. He wants to be here. He's the highest paid defensive player. I know it's not the flashiest position's defensive tackle, but you look at that defensive He made line. it a flashy position. You look at that, 14 sacks of the defensive tackle. One behind the league leader. Yeah. Charleston Hughes, and he's playing an in, as an interior defensive lineman. So he draws that's, double that's teams almost all player. the time. Yeah, he draws double teams almost all the time, and he's in the backfield almost all the time. And he was initially originally a linebacker in college and stuff, and he tried to go in the NFL as a linebacker, and he got turned into defensive tackle by the Stampede. Isn't that what happened to us? Once upon a time, we were linebacker-sized, and then it uh, I like to we think became lineman-sized. I was offensive lineman-sized. I like to think I'm a linebacker now, but hopefully. Maybe Sorry not. for the diversion. That's okay. Uh, but back to my end. So there's a, that's a good signing. A.C. Leonard, I know A.C. Leonard is the poor man's Willie Jefferson, I guess, but he's got to have a defensive end, and I think... But he gives he him came a bookend on, to go with Charleston yeah. Hughes. So if you think, this is what a, a thought I had last night when I was laying there. Went, imagine this defensive line if Jefferson had signed Jefferson, Micah Johnson, Zach Evans, and Charleston Hughes. Is that a monster defensive line? That, that'd be, I don't need to see if I would allow that to happen. That's just too good of a defensive line. He wouldn't need defensive backs. Instead, it's still a pretty good defensive line. They come back with AC Leonard, Johnson, Evans, and now Hughes, and that's it's a good defensive line. If Charleston Hughes can get, can get back the first two yeah. thirds of last season, he tailed off, and he knew it too. When I think that's related to the DUI and everything else. I'm not saying that off-field distractions are a distraction, but he stopped being a factor. Yeah, basically. So um, hopefully, he two would... sacks in his last seven games. Exactly. Last eight, if you include the playoff game. And uh, he, he, was, he was routinely putting up pretty good defensive tackle totals, yeah. too. And then over those last seven or eight games, he didn't have more than two. It's just like it's like he hit the wall yeah. last yeah. season. And we kind of wondered about that. And you know? now that he's 35 years old, you wonder if, if he's got another season left in him. Is he, is he the Charleston Hughes of June, July, and August or the Charleston yeah. Hughes of September and October? Two different... Two different football players. I think Zach Evans comes back with something to prove, too. I don't think he had the season he anticipated. He wasn't as dominant a force in there as he just was average. He was just an average defensive tackle. And I don't think he is an average defensive tackle. I think he's better than that. I think he should have a better season. But So that, so they go with that defensive line they got now. So And then they throw in uh, Deshaun, I hope I said Deshaun Davis, yes. one of the best special team players out there. And you have to have special teams, guys. And especially the Craig Dickinson team. Yeah, you've got to have them. And... I still haven't quite figured out Corey Watson yet. And I know you, you and I will look at each other going, I don't get it. Well, I think, why, with, why not sign Rob Bag? With, well, you, you know, you need a player of that description. So whether it's Corey Watson or it's Rob Bag. They have that in Patrick Lavar. Well, Lavoie. not as a wideout. No, that's true. And uh, if you need a wide side wideout, uh, Patrick Lavoie is more of a fullback, tight end, H-back type of player. Slot, kind of a slot, slot yeah. back. But, you know, he, he can use him in a variety of places, but he's he's within... The hash marks usually. You need the wide side wide out. Yeah. Uh, the position immortalized by Joshua Stanford last year. And uh, <laughs> Who signed with the BC Lions. Yeah. So amazing. You've you've got to fill that slot with regardless of who you sign, whether it's Rob Bag, whether it's Corey Watson. Corey Watson's had a decent career. He's caught yeah. as many as sixty nine passes in a season. Uh, his averages la he caught thirty eight passes for four hundred and six yards last year, which is pretty much what his average has been over nine CFL seasons. So you know what you're going to get out there, and it, it takes care of that position. That, that everything changed when Jake Hardy yes. experienced more knee woes. Something that wasn't known when the announcement that uh, yeah. of, of the Corey Watson signing was was made. So that makes sense. That one adds up. And I think, and in fairness to Rob Bag, he came back last year. He hung around with Molish, and he couldn't get on the field. 
So I wonder if that says something. Maybe that's the numbers or whatever's going on. For some reason, Rob Bag really didn't really contribute. Last I think year. it has more to do with the Rough Riders than Rob Bag. Yeah, I know. So maybe, um, maybe he's a signing. Maybe he gets signed. Some he's going to stay in shape. And I can tell anybody they're listening to this. Rob Bag will be in shape, guaranteed, and he can still contribute to some sort of some teams in some ways. I hope he gets that chance. But. You know, the rest of the receiving core, I, I know we're kind of remiss. We should have studied the what remaining receivers available. I just looked at Darrell Walker. Darrell said, Walker. Still naming Roosevelt out there. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, you know, I know last year's anemic offense contributed his, to his season, but he's been a little banged up. And, you know, you got he's a 31, I think. He's not played more than 14 <laughs> regular season games so, for the Rough Riders. If you can get, let's say, a 26-year-old receiver, excuse me, <clears throat> And sign him instead of a 31-year-old receiver. At less, less class. Yeah. That might be where you lean on Paul Jones and say, okay, yeah. find me somebody. Um, I still think Naaman Roosevelt's got a lot of game left. Oh, yeah. the, the, the West Division semifinal, for example, he was open for two touchdowns and the quarterback didn't get him yeah. the ball. In one case, um, unless Naaman Roosevelt was masquerading as an upright, he wasn't going to catch the <laughs> yeah, football. Yeah. So how do you blame Na- Naaman Roosevelt should have had two touchdowns in that game yeah. and the Rough Riders should have won it on the basis of those touchdowns. So how do you say that that he's he's a player in decline when he's wide open? Uh, well, not well, wide open on one touchdown and, and yeah, open by a step or two on another. Yeah, it it shows a throw that a professional quarterback should make in a game of considerable magnitude. Well, do so, they have one now in Zach? Does Zach make that throw? Zach would have made that throw. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a rudimentary, basically an out route to yeah. the left corner. Of the, Zach Kalaros would have made that throw. And I think it's safe to say Zach Kalaros would have made that throw, at least not, not hit the upright, on, yeah. on the, on, down at the other end of the field to Nathan yeah. Roosevelt. So uh, as much as people are in, uh, guilty as charged in, in this case, uh, lamenting the signing of Zach Kalaros. If you put Zach Kalaros in that West Division semifinal and ask him to make oh. those two crucial th- crucial throws that Brandon Bridge didn't come close to making, yeah. they're in the division final. Uh, in Calgary, where they'd already won, with Zach Kalaros having his best game of the season last year. Mm-hmm. So clearly signing Zach Kalaros was a great move. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, and that's well, the case for it. We forget they were... Twelve and six with Zach. No, ten and four. Ten and four with Zach, but twelve and six overall. Like they've made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Now we, I know it's almost like this is a rebuilding, reloading team that didn't do anything last year. They were second place and somehow having the worst offense in the history of sports, managed to host a playoff game and came within having a decent on quarterback of going to the set next round. So the thing is, yeah. the, the number ten, the ten and four record under Zach Claros has been thrown about, but I think you have to look deeper into those statistics to get a gauge of Zach Kalaros' effectiveness in those games and his influence upon the outcome. If you look at the 10 games that the Riders won with Zach Kalaros as a quarterback last year, the other team actually scored more offensive touchdowns, 19 to, set, 19 to 17. And one of the Rough Riders' 17 offensive touchdowns was Zach Kalaros as the starter, was a one-yard run by Nick Marshall after Matt Elam returned an interception 53 yards to the one-yard line. So Zach Kalaros wasn't even on the field for that abbreviated possession. So it's essentially 19-16 to 16 for opposing offenses yeah. in games started by Zach Kalaros. Plus, Riders won those, those um, games by a total of 74 points. Uh, and over that duration, the defense or special teams accounted for 64 points. Nine, inter- nine, uh, nine defensive or special teams touchdowns plus a two-point conversion. Zach Kalaros throwing to Naaman Roosevelt. So there's only, if you look at the, the influence of the defense in the games won by Zach Kalaros, I think that, that kind of is kind of a drag on the 
appraisal of Zach Caleros's effectiveness in those situations. Plus, he threw two pick two pick sixes in the games they won. So, boy, you're it, sure putting up a lot of reasons not to sign him. Well, was it you know was it was it Zach Caleros who was the impetus or a, a driving force behind those victories? Uh, in some cases, yes. That's why that win loss record is. It, that's stats. a bit of it's Such a bit a, of a it's a bit of a mysterious number. Although, actually, if you if you dig deeper into it, the best case in in to defend Zach Kalaros is not in terms of the touchdown production when he started, but the field goal production. When Zach, when Zach Kalaros was in the game, the Riders kicked 36 field goals compared to the opposition's 20. Mm. So in that case, they outscored the opposition by 16 times three, 48 points. Is- and on 20 of those 36 drives that ended in a field goal, the Kalaros moved the ball 40 or more yards. So he did a nice job of putting the Rough Riders in position for Brett Lowther to kick some field goals. You may look at it at the other end of the spectrum and say, well, those drives stalled, but he still put them in position for points. So I don't know if that's much of a marketing slogan. Come watch the Riders come watch and see Zach Kalaris to kick field goals, no, set up for field goals. But he, no. was, he, he, he had some really smart yeah. marches with the, with the Rough Riders last year in games they won, but not necessarily drives resulting in touchdowns. So the, there's not a, you look at the 10 and four record with Zach Kalaris as a starter, and you think, okay, well, there you, there you go. But if you look deeper, more deeply into the numbers, I don't think there is flattering. I don't think they're a case, an ironclad case against bringing him back. Because again, I point to those field goals more than anything. But uh, it's 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 not like he's a ten and four quarterback. Yeah. Based on the numbers, so the other numbers. Just to your turn. Bit. That's let's, my let's tangential talk. contribution to this. I know podcast. I'm baffled by the numbers. Baffled by the baffle garb. What about Grab. the quarterback? Baffle gab. Baffle gab. Sorry. What about quarterbacks? What do you think of the money thrown at Mike Riley? Two point nine million. You know what it did. That's uh, what you have to spend. Bo gets uh, no seven hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. But I, and Riley was or Harris was five hundred thousand. Her- Do you ever think you'd be in a league where, on the free agent, those kind of money, like that kind of money, was would drag the league? Well, we've down. seen it before. I mean, Doug, yeah. Doug, Doug Flutie made a million, but yeah. he, there wasn't a there wasn't a salary cap at the time. Right. But that's just so much. It's just. That's such a percentage of your cap. Gone. And so how do you manage that? And the salary cap, I'm trying to remember what it was, 5.2. It's not going to go up that through to represent those kind of monies. No. But, but if, if you don't, the thing is, if you don't have the quarterback, you don't get to the Grey Cup. You don't right. win the Grey Cup. Not since 2001 when Marcus Crandall in Calgary won the Grey Cup yep. has an unexceptional quarterback. Sorry, Marcus. Uh, he was exceptional in that game. Uh, won a Grey Cup. So... You look at the past 17 Great Cup games, and they're all above average quarterbacks. People may say, well, Kerry Joseph. Well, Kerry Joseph was named the most outstanding player in the league in 2007. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you could make an argument that Kerry Joseph for that period in time was exceptional. So it's, it's, it's a virtual guarantee that if you don't have one of those upper crust quarterbacks, you don't get to the Great Cup. Now, what hasn't been tested yet is spending this much on a quarterback and seeing if you can get to the Great Cup. What mm-hmm. impact does that extra 100000 extra $200,000 have on your uh, that the quarterback is getting have on your roster does that impede the chances now of a team is it is it cross that threshold where what does the that benefits do to a locker room having a quarterback are outweighed by the detriments that the, in terms of the salary count i don't think it has any effect if, people, if, they, the players get what they get eh? you know people i think it's generally accepted that the quarterback gets a lot of money yeah. and if you're if you're number 46 on the roster making 50 55 60,000 dollars whether the starting quarterback's making two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, or seven hundred thousand dollars, you're still looking at that and saying that's a lot of money. Yeah. So, I don't think that dynamic is going to change. Now, if that guy helps you win, 
then you get some nice it's not nice li- supplementary income. It's not, is it life-changing money? Like you sign an NFL contract in your second one. That's life-changing. It's the... Is a seven or three, three I don't know, what, nearly $3 million? Does that change of his life? He's still got to work when he finishes. Well, it's not guaranteed money for it's one. Not, yeah. So, like, even like um, Micah Johnson got 250000 That's a good salary, but it doesn't change. It's not going to change his life. He's not going to, he's going to have to work yeah. again. He's going to have to be like a regular Joe. He just one year is going to make 250000 And you hope, you know, you always watch Tony Dungy and he gives those lectures to the NFL guys. You only need one car, you need one house, you need one of this. And maybe they don't go out and go crazy on that kind of money, but. You know, it's, CFL money isn't life changing. It's it can it's, be. It can be if you if, look after it. If you Darian, look at, Durant, Darian has, Durant has set himself up tremendously because yeah. he was smart about his money. Yep. And uh, I don't recall the exact quote, but Darian at yep. least said he's very comfortable for yeah, the rest of his that. life yep. because that was the interview that you did with yes. him at the at the was it the Rams banquet, the, uh, Rams dinner, Rams Rams breakfast, and Rams ba- ba- breakfast. So he's smart. You, he's smart. You know, Darian's a smart guy. Others. Don't well, have the same, you know. Most of us, I hate to say, even you, even university educated, we don't come out of university knowing how to manage our money, and we just we're doing newspaper money. It's basically you go, yeah, you manage it check to check. Isn't that the way you do it? You have money left in the account at the end of the paycheck. Good thing you can buy something else. But so these guys come out of university, most don't know how to how to how to hand manage their money, how to do those kind of things. Not most of them, but a lot of them do. The smart ones do. I think Willie you Jefferson. A, a lot of it, you, have, you have a good agent. Willie Jefferson's a smart guy. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he's and you know talk to guys like uh, Sam Hurl, another guy. I think he's putting his money. He's got a good agent. The Dan Vertlieb. Maybe we could talk about Dan Vertlieb's effect on this league right now. The, Vert, the VFL. Boy, that's really, he's just really and up. good for him for getting these guys. But is that much power in the hands of one agent good for the league? Well. Yeah. It's you've seen it in baseball when when Scott Boris has pretty much monopolized the market of key players. Now that's mm-hmm. come back to to haunt some players mm-hmm. recently. But there's always going to be that dominant agent in hockey. You've seen it where Don Meehan had virtually everybody once upon a time. Yeah, that you have that situation in the CFL. It's pretty much always been Gil Scott, Dan yeah. Dan Vertlieb over the last what decade or so has become a a, a major player. Um. And aside from that, there's not a lot of uh, no, there's not a lot of guys. Here. Well, you ever heard Jonathan Hardaway's name thrown around much? And he's a guy since who, Josiah St. John. And he's a guy, and I think it was another receiver too. I'm trying to think, it'll come to me. He's a guy who kind of overvalues his CFL players, I think, and he keeps them out of camp. And he's very aggressive. He's not very. He does a great job for his players. I don't know if the CFL guys like him very much, but he does his job, which is get his guys the most money he can, the best opportunities he can offer them. Back to the ages, maybe back another way. So where do the riders go now? I know this is hinging on what happens after us, but I think we can talk about generally they still need a pass catcher. They need or a, two. Or two. They need a backup quarterback or two. Maybe some depth along the offensive line. Linebacker help. Yeah, I mean, there's I still the Sam McGuavin uh, yeah. uh, situation. And how do you find a player to replace him now this has happened before once upon a time the riders lost george white and people said what are they going to do to replace george white yeah. and roy shivers brought in reggie hunt and reggie hunt's now in the plaza of honor so you you've I got to be able to i don't think it's that difficult to replace a linebacker you've got to be able, it's like we said you have to found linebackers and running backs because every team seemed to have one really good one of those every college team so i think you should but sam's going to be missed I really think he was coming on, but he's gone for the NFL and good for him. And I think he's going to do. And missed well. on special teams as well. I mean, just such a good, good player everywhere. Yeah, he was just that type of player. And we kind but of. Who is, but who was Sam McGuavin two or three years ago? 
Maybe nobody had heard of him. We overlooked a little bit in one of the re-signings, and I know it's not going to be as popular. Signing Sam Hurl kind of makes sense in a way, like re-signing him. Like, he wasn't spectacular, but he was solid in the middle on a good defense. He obviously must have had something to control, contribute to that, and he's an incredible special teams player. And another part it's not doesn't say in the contract, he wants to be here. And that's where they have to look at a lot of these free agents and Micah and Powell. They want to be here. They've seen Ryder Nation. They've seen Mosaic Stadium. They see what goes on around here. And it's it's a pretty cool place to be a player, and they want to be that. You want to be loved. You want to be appreciated. And this is probably – they're all good. This is one of the best places if you're going to see that. And as Micah Johnson mentioned, the facilities at Mosaic Stadium, even when I just kind of looked around the other day going, man, this is like a high-end gym club that you can possibly never – you and I would never, ever be allowed in to see what they have available there. And I remember part of the, the reasoning behind all of these great facilities was to draw free agents. This is a place you want to come and play. You get a barber shop and stuff. So I know it was after like the fact. Like we need one. Yeah, well. I, the players do more than we do. I, I think Micah was after the fact, but he was aware because the visitor's locker room was not particularly spectacular at Mosaic Stadium. It's uh, no, it's not pretty really, rudimentary. It's not what it was at Taylor Field, but it's no, not. It's not. The, I've seen the better, opulent really. facility yeah. that the, the home team certainly enjoys. But you know, it's it's enough at Mosaic Stadium to draw them. The fact they had the press conference yesterday, but I did. I want to make a little, a little thing about the press conference. I was kind of thinking most free agent press conferences are a celebration. You go there, yeah, they got these guys. We're talking about life, you know, the good off season. I kind of had a funereal feel to yesterday going that way. Even with Micah Johnson being there. Till like till they started to talk, till I was going down to the stadium, I go down bowing out. Well, how are they going to spin this? How are they going to turn this around from being what was looked like? I didn't tire fire isn't fair because they got they did better than that, but it looked like a tire fire. When? When? I mean, when? there's yeah. all, all the spinning in the world. I mean, you can spin like Charo. It won't matter. Yeah. How do they do in June, July, August, September, October, November? And. Mm-hmm. You know, going into the 2007 season, even though the Riders had Kerry Joseph at the time, there wasn't a huge, I think, ton of support for, oh my goodness, the Riders have Kerry Joseph. He'd taken a pay cut during the off season yeah. to even stay here. And and going into the season, it wasn't certain that Kerry Joseph would be the starter at the end because if he'd gotten out of the gate poorly, I think Marcus Crandall would have been there in there pretty mm-hmm. quickly. So, but performance suddenly turned Kerry Joseph into a hero and somebody we're still talking about admiringly. Yeah. Uh, he'd had a good career up to that point. Not a great career. But the results on the field turned him into someone who, who is you know, celebrated now. And so if you look at that, going into the 1980s, 81, or the 81 season, the Riders had John Hoffnagel and Joe Barnes and nobody was really that pumped about having John Hoffnagel or Joe Barnes. They worked together tremendously. They combined for 33 touchdown passes, and people loved J.J. Barnagle. So, what happens if they don't you, win? If they don't win, it's, is it on Jeremy O'Day? As much, it's on Chris Jones too. Yeah, putting Jeremy O'Day in a terrible position. That yeah. I mean, Jeremy O'Day is, you know, within a month of becoming the general manager, here's your first free agency period. And by the way, you've got no quarterbacks, and you've got a very depleted receiving core, and you got to go get them. And you need yeah. that receiver as a draw for the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't that person when the quarterback sweepstakes begins. So you don't want to make excuses or absolve but they been in this Jeremy position. O'Day, but they're in a, they're, they were in a really tough position because of, what, of Chris Jones's, the timing of Chris Jones's departure. But even if Chris Jones has been here, they still wouldn't have had a quarterback. They still wouldn't and that's have on had... Chris Jones. Yeah. So Three years into this rebuilding pro- three years of this program they don't have they don't have a quarterback that they know can play mm-hmm. all the hype and all the money that was spent on chris jones and 
day one of free agency, they resign Zach Claros, and people are going, well, that's, yeah. that's on Chris Jones. Yeah. The cupboard was left bare in a very crucial area. Offense wasn't a priority. And uh, it showed. Yeah. And then when they try to make offense a, pr- of a priority, I think part of the enduring pong from last season might have affected the courtship of free agents because it was just such an ugly offense you look at and just that scheme was under a lot of fire. I think it's more recent in the memory banks is the events are the events of 2018 as opposed to 2017 when the Riders led the league in touchdown passes. It was such an ugly offense that I think that's the image of the Rough Rider offense that resonates and has to be a red flag for premier offensive free agents yeah. if they play receiver or quarterback. And then they address it by signing a running back and a defensive tackle. And I think William Powell is going to be really good. Oh, I, I really – he's you watch his highlights, folks. You watch them. This guy's got power. He's got speed. He's like – a higher level Cameron Marshall. Cam Marshall was a pretty good player when he was healthy. He was a good blocker, good receiver, could had that speed. But more, William of, a, more Powell, of a burst. But William Powell hits through holes, and you watch, and he's, you know, the Riders only play the Red Blacks twice a year, but you can guarantee that William Powell was going to be, well, be blasting a lot of holes through that, no matter what kind of defense they had. He did that to a lot of teams, 1,362 yards yeah, in 16 so games. It's last a good year. signing, and as I said, the key one, it doesn't say that line in the contract, but wants to be here. There's a big line on that. And they want to, as I said, they want to try things that are going on. So, you know, they, they went with sort of a running back by committee last year, and there was yeah. a decent running game. And Trey Mason had his moments. Uh, Cameron Marshall had his moments. Marcus Thigpen had his moments. But there was – and that's, this is the way football is trending with running backs, where you, you need a group of them. But this way, this way it seems the riders are going to have a bulwark as a, as, a, yeah. as a go-to tailback, and he'll keep defenses honest. If they have to crowd the box, suddenly defenses uh, are susceptible. There's some one-on-one matchups downfield. And maybe that op- that liberates a passing game. There's some play action op- options that weren't necessarily there last year. Maybe if they have the same receivers but a better tailback, it's it's liberating for the quarterback and the receivers when they look downfield. And I know Marcus Thigpen won't be excited to hear this, but it gives him more opportunity to be fresher on the return game and more opportunities to come in and spell that sort of thunder and lightning type of yeah. thing Marcus Thigpen can do. I know he wants to be an everyday guy and – Oh, they all do, but, but he's thirty-three. He's thirty-three. Give keep his legs fresh, get him returning kicks and punts, which he's really good at, and then coming in and sort of helping. And, all, and be, use him in the passing. Exactly, game. I was going to say. I knew what were they say doing with that last? And year? Maybe they could do isolate that. him and you get him, get him downfield. So put maybe him on a Craig linebacker. Dickinson took Stephen McAdoo into a room and said, "Stephen, you're the offensive coordinator. What do you want to do? What is your dream punt. scheme? Yeah, no grunt. <laughs> Sorry, grunt, grunt, and punt." And punt. Yes. And then what is your dream scheme? What do you want to do? Go ahead. Well, I want to, I'm a special teams coordinator. I know what I can do. I know I can oversee. Let's see what you can do. Wouldn't that be refreshing to see if you had that opportunity as an offensive coordinator? I'm not saying Chris didn't say that, but we don't know. We'll never know how Chris dealt with how the offense. We do know that he was hands-on with the defense. And maybe he was trying to say, don't lose the game. But, you know, if, there, if there's a reliability, reliability with William Powell, that the Riders are going to be in a lot of second and short, second and medium situations, yeah. and you, you don't need to be John United to com- complete those passes. No, a nice little hitch pass. Oh, no. <laughs> On that note, we're going to end it. I don't want to talk about hitch screens anymore. Uh, for the oh. incredible shrinking Murray McCormick, who is Hang now on. going to read our... Yes, exactly our, about our, that. Sorry about my voice today, it. folks. But please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. It helps us grow the podcast. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email... Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we might read your questions on the show if we can find them on Rob's phone. Sorry Thank you about very that, much. Folks. Sorry. All the questions I got were well before the, the free agency period and uh, you I can think also, some of the answers were apparent. You can tweet though. us too. We 
kind of talk to people on Twitter. Yeah, just I'm, to, I'm at Rob Vanstone. But just don't swear at me, okay? I, I'll respond to just about everything else, but really. And Somebody swore at you? I had some guys. Some I'm people. sorry about that. I didn't I know, mean I'm to. Going, no, I know. I just, there's a lot what of anger. What did he anger. say? I just Let's talk, FF. No, that just, it was profanity. And there's a lot of anger out there. And I kind of, I don't mean to say that I'm thin-skinned, but we're the messenger. We I have nothing to do with the team. I don't know why people, maybe I shouldn't take it personally, and I don't, but. I will the respond. Block tool is a wonderful thing. I will respond to every sensible request and post. If you're not sensible, sorry, folks. Yeah, a lot of the um, I have a th- the threshold I have with anonymous accounts. Yes, if they're if they're snotty or abusive, they get blocked pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I have a lot more patience for somebody who puts their name behind what beside what they say. They can say whatever they want about me, but their name's beside it, and they know I know who it is that's saying it. I'll likely engage with them. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty impulsive when it comes to, oh, you have no name. You don't even yeah. know your name and you can't spell goodbye. Uh, but if you'd like to engage with us and put your name in front of it, we could probably have a lovely chat. And also be patient. Like you're the one person tweeting to me. I'm not saying I have that many followers, but I do have other people on them that I'm talking to. And there's, there's, there's actually work to be done too. Yes. And sometimes and people, I don't tweet as much. I get complained about that, but I work. Well, last year I got I had somebody somebody <laughs> saying, well, "Why did you stop tweeting during the third quarter of the Ryder game?" Well, my column was due a half hour after yeah, the Ryder game. Work, I have to like, write something. Like, and we and we don't get paid to tweet. No, we do. We do it because we love it and it's a way to interact with people and it's fun and can be fun. But just remember that we do have other jobs that get in the way of our other jobs. That's our whining and complaining for today. Yeah, we're, On ha- that we're note, happy to engage. Happy Valentine's Day again, Rob. We want to maybe Chrisula. Thank you for putting up with me for. Uh, this is the, well, the first one was in 98. So this is the 22nd Valentine's Day. Yes, this is the 22nd Valentine's Day that I've actually had a Valentine. I'd never even had a Valentine on Valentine's Day before. Why well, I'm not the least bit surprised to February hear February 14th was a pretty pathetic day. I remember, actually, 25 years ago, <laughs> as we record this, I went to the YMCA at um, just after supper, and there were two people in the gym. And it was just at like 6.15 p.m. And there were only two guys in the entire gym. Me and someone named Michael. We actually had a chat. We're it. We're the Lonely Hearts Club in the downtown YMCA. So um, actually, I'm going to the YMCA tonight to commemorate that anniversary. Well, but, that uh, sounds like a, a lot of fun. We'll see if Michael is still there. I got 38 years of my favorite Valentine, so we've managed to make it this far without going too crazy on Valentine's. Oh, I'd say Valentine's Day is for amateurs. I'm a professional. Happy uh, Happy Valentine's Day to you and, uh, and Marion. And my girls. And happy girls. Valentine's Day to Alice Valentine my first Montreal Expos hero. You've been exposed. Sorry. My, my Alice Valentine. I wrote, I wrote <laughs> the first fan letter I ever wrote to an athlete was in 1980 and I wrote to Alice Valentine at the Montreal Expo Expos asking for an autograph and two weeks later I got one back in the mail. So Alice Valentine, thank you for that. Awesome. So, Those anyway. the guys you remember. All right, we for Murray McCormick this. and Murray and Mary McCormick, I, I'm Rob Vanstone and happy Valentine's Day to my beloved Priscilla and, uh, We'll do this again next week if we're allowed to. Take care and have a great day.